Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 502. My name is Paul Garcia and I'm the host of Spurs Cast. In this episode, we're going to go through two parts here. I'm going to have Project Spurs' Benjamin Bornstein come on and we're going to discuss the NBA draft after the Spurs selected Lonnie Walker the fourth with the with the 18th pick and then Chemezi Metu with the 49th pick. So we'll have a quick discussion about what those two players will bring to the Spurs. From there, I have Colin Reed in studio and Colin and I will go through the um, upcoming free agency, which begins on Sunday at midnight. Okay, so hopefully you enjoyed this episode 502. And now joining me from Atlanta, Georgia, is Project Spurs' Benjamin Bordstein, our, our, our expert draft um, our draft expert here at, at the site. Je- ben, how you doing, man? I am fantastic, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. So last week we recorded with Trevor and John, and we spent a lot of time on a bunch of different prospects. But one of the guys that we didn't mention, aside from his hair, was Lonnie Walker the fourth. We, we had a small conversation about Walker. But that's because... In our projections and in a lot of draft experts' projections, uh, no one saw that the, that Walker would fall to 18 for the Spurs. And, of course, he did fall there. And uh, R.C. Buford basically said that they, they took him because that was a player they had very high on their board. They didn't think they would have a chance of getting him, but he did slip. And now there the Spurs got Lonnie Walker the fourth. A six-five uh, shooting guard played a little bit of one in college. Um, scored 11.5 points with Miami. Shot 35% from three. 2.6 rebounds. 1.9 assists. Um, so Ben, you, you wrote a you wrote a profile on him for our draft guide. So you did kind of see that that the Spurs had a chance of getting him. Um, just kind of tell the audience about what he'll bring to the team and kind of where he is as a player right now. Uh, he's still a little raw in his guard skills, but he when he gets hot, he can he can really shoot it. He has. Superb athleticism. He's super bouncy. He's going to be a guy who can make some highlight plays, I think. Uh, potentially, I don't know about start, but he should get a lot of time early on. Uh, of course, depending on how the offseason shakes out with trades and whatnot. Um, he's he's definitely a guy people should be excited about. He really wants to play hard. He wants to play well, and he wants to be great for the Spurs. Of course, those are all the things a prospect should be saying. So that's a good start. He's saying the things you want him to say, but he's also he, he was also playing a lot of one and two because Bruce Brown was injured for much of the year in Miami. So Lonnie Walker, as a freshman, was forced to play a little out of his comfort zone, and 
that's probably a big reason why we saw him take a lot of shots he would not take at the NBA level. He took some dumb shots. He took some ill-advised shots, as you might say. But I think that can be reined in, especially with this coaching staff. So Lonnie Walker, really fun guy to watch. Be on the lookout. Uh, if you watched draft night, you know that a cap will not fit on his head. So that's that's got to be good, right? If he, he doesn't want to be contained. If his hair can't be contained, how can he be contained? <laughs> So um, I'm excited to watch him play. Yeah, and something you brought up right there was what R.C. Buford mentioned on draft night. You know, we spoke with him in the media here in town uh, for his post-conference, and um, basically he says that, that um, you know, in, in college, that, like you mentioned, you know, one of their players got hurt, and so he had to handle some of the point guard duties. And R.C. said that on the defensive end, they were really they really liked how he took it upon himself to guard the best perimeter player. So even though, you know, I, I watched Draft Express's videos on, on his weaknesses, they basically said that, like, fundamentally he doesn't – he's not always in, in locked in on defense – but that's good that RC, the GM, saw him play and you know saw that that there's definitely some talent there on the defensive end as well. Um, ben, let's get through some of these player comparisons now. Ever since they drafted him, there's been a lot of different um, comparisons thrown around. Kind of tell me if you, if you agree with these or if any of these are too outlandish. Um, here's so here's a few. Uh, Chauncey Billups compared him to Dwayne Wade on draft night. Uh, the Express News spoke with his former coach Jim Laranaga at Miami, and he uh, Coach Laranaga compared him to Danny Green, but also Donovan Mitchell of the Utah jazz. And then you, I, I already told you my, my comparison. I, I watched some film on him and I compare him more like J.R. Smith without the antics. Like, you know, when J.R. is like early J.R. Smith, like Denver era J.R. Smith. Um, so that's actually a pretty good ceiling. If you if you know, if your baseline's like J.R. Smith, Danny green, but then your, your highest level could be like Donovan Mitchell, Dwayne Wade. Do you agree with some of these comparisons or do you see something else in him? I, I don't know if I go Dwayne Wade because Dwayne Wade has never been able to shoot threes. Yeah, I agree with that. At least consistently, or he refuses to shoot threes. Whatever the case is, Lonnie Walker can clearly shoot threes. So I think in that regard, he's better than Dwayne Wade. And that's not saying he's already better than Dwayne Wade has been over his entire career. Do not take that out of context, whatever. Don't do that. But he is a better three-point shooter than Dwayne Wade. Uh, it remains to be seen if he's as good a shooter as Danny Green, but if you know, if kind of peak Danny Green is where you can land as a shooter, that would be fantastic. Obviously, if you can if you can reach Donovan Mitchell status, who was phenomenal his rookie year, probably should have won rookie of the year, but technicalities, whatever how you feel about that, Ben Simmons won. Um, Donovan Mitchell was the offense for the Utah Jazz at points in this season as a rookie. Um, I don't think Lonnie Walker will be called upon to be the offense for the Spurs, but I think he can take on a big role if needed. Not not as big as Donovan Mitchell, but still a pretty sizable role. Um, I really do like your comparison of JR, early J.R. Smith, no antics, not being dumb. <laughs> you know, that to me, that's and that's an ideal. You want to be a player like that. He's now J.R. Smith is now more of a role player because he's playing with LeBron and a couple of guys, but if Lonnie Walker can start out as a really good role player, he knows his role and he knows how to excel at it, then I think that's a fantastic start for the Spurs and for Lonnie Walker because his role will definitely grow after his rookie year, especially with some with how some of the contracts are structured and guys will be heading out via trade, via via free agency, whatever it may be. So I happen to really like that pick, and it was a surprise to me that he did fall that far. So I think R.C. Buford and the Spurs felt very good. They felt very confident, and um, 
they they knew what they were doing and you can certainly appreciate that because you have to be prepared for situations like that where uh, a guy drops for whatever reason like a Michael Porter Jr. was not supposed to drop to 14. He was supposed to be, he was potentially a top 10 pick, top seven or eight pick, mm-hmm. and he falls to 14 to Denver. Now, Denver's looking like geniuses because they took a guy like Michael Porter Jr., who may have, you know, he may have his medical issues, but if it all checks out, he's going to be pretty great in this league, I think. So I think if you have a chance to draft a guy like Lonnie Walker at 18, it's pretty great. You're not only getting a good player, but I think you're getting great value at the pick, which is not something that a lot of people talk about. Yeah. And just to, to throw in some extra information, you know, on draft night, it looked like on Twitter, um, NBA Twitter, that there was some, some medical issues to it with Walker. He had some sort of knee knee issue at the end of the season, or I don't know if it was before he started his, 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 uh, college season, but you know, draft express and a few other um, media members did say that everything was fine. Like there's no, there's no kind of red flag. So, so, um, San Antonio did take him. A lot of teams did pass on him. Uh, I want to say real quick on Walker before I move, we move over to the next pick. Um, so let's say that Manu does not retire and Kawhi, everything gets fixed with Kawhi. This is the Spurs' rotation right now. At the one, you have DeJounte Murray, Derek White, and Patty Mills. At the two, you have Danny Green, Manu, and then you'd probably have Walker there. And then, of course, at the three, you have Kawhi and then whoever else they're going to bring into the team, bring back onto the team or add what other free agents potentially Bertans. Yeah, Bertans, yeah, he, he could be there too, but he'll play more of the four. But my question is, yeah. if Kawhi and Manu are back, and since Danny also opted in, um, do you do you think that he would even get that much playing time next year, or do you think we'd see more of him going back and, like, back and forth to Austin like how DeJounte Murray was in year one? That's tough. Um, it would, uh, I think if the Spurs feel that he's not quite ready to contribute, then yeah, he's going to go back and forth between Austin and, and San Antonio for a hot minute there. But um, I, I think he has the potential to contribute right away. Uh, again, it kind of depends on how deep that the guard position is because the way it stands now, he's probably not going to play at the one. We've got, I mean, the Spurs have what, four guys? Yeah. They'll and roll four guys deep at point yeah, guard? Yeah, they have three right now, and that's not even including Parker. If they, They're probably going to bring him back. Right. So, I mean, he's probably not going to get a lot of experience playing one, which is fine because you want him playing two and you want him to be comfortable playing two. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's tough to say now. Mm-hmm. I, I think we really do have to wait till after free agency. But I, I would say there's definitely potential for him to get minutes um, with, with the lineup, with the roster as it stands now. Now, if people are sent away, if Danny Green, so if the Spurs lose Danny Green for whatever reason, Lonnie Walker is definitely getting playing time. Yeah. There is no question about that. He may even start actually in that scenario. If Danny Green gets traded right now and they don't sign anybody in free agency at the two, I think he starts. Like that's, you know, if yeah, they they may throw him into the fire mm-hmm. and say, you know what, if we we got you running with some veterans now, you're gonna be all right. Just kind of go out there, do your thing. Just try and be a team player, and we'll ride from there. Yeah, and that's what they did at Kawhi in year one. Remember, he started like after twelve games or something, or like you know midway through the season, Pop pulled out Richard Jefferson to put him in. And so Pop's not, you know, if you have the talent and you're and you're going to be one of the cornerstones, like like Walker's projected to be here pretty soon, uh, I think that Pop's definitely not not hesitant if if that spot's there for you. So I, I think Danny Green's the main one to watch there. Even if Monter, reti- I mean, actually, if Monter retires too, Walker's immediately the, like the second best backup shooting guard on that on that bench right now. 
So yeah, um, yeah. So you're right. You know, we'll wait to see what happens with the other movies that, that that they make, and then even with Kawhi, I mean, if they trade him, who knows what kind of piece they're bringing back? And so Walker could have a chance of getting the two. Then maybe they move Danny up to three. So so we'll kind of keep an eye there on uh, Lonnie. I think that he definitely has a lot of potential, especially that, that you know you heard all the praise that RC was giving him that night. Um, ben, let's move on to the next pick they made in the 49th with the 49th pick in the second round. The Spurs chose a guy that it was pretty cool because I was looking through my notes from last week. I just threw away the paper and and right there when we were talking about second round picks. You were the one who mentioned Chemezi Metu, and I was like, "Oh man, Ben like called this," and so uh, I was really, really excited just to see that name on my on my on my sheet that you had that I wrote down when you said his name. So, so you did kind of see the Spurs um, looking at a guy like Metu. Metu, um, you know, he's a six eleven big at a USC, fifteen point seven points, seven point four rebounds, one point seven blocks in twenty seven minutes. Um, I couldn't find no kind of comparisons. Is there an NBA comparison for him that Fancy kind of put in their head, or, or is do you, how do you, how do you kind of see him? As a player. I think as he stands now, he's kind of a Clint Capella type. Okay. He'll run the floor with you. He's a gazelle. He'll run. He's super athletic. He'll get up there. He'll get you some – he'll either get you extra possessions or he'll get you easy buckets with putbacks. He, he plays very much above the rim. His, his post game, is, his low post game is very rudimentary. It's pretty raw. So if, if that's something they want to look at, developing they can he's not an outside shooter right now i think he has a little bit of range maybe between 10 and 15 feet but it's not terribly consistent so i I think his best comparison right now is clint capella and that's that i think that would be kind of his ceiling for this year anyway as far as you know his role not necessarily being as great as clint capella because clint capella is very good at what he does yeah so so he could like you know, let's just say they don't get like a big in free agency or they don't bring over Nicola Milatino from overseas. He could like fill that Dwayne Dedman role from two years ago, right? Like where he just plays the backup center position. Like, let, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think he could do that. Yeah. So, okay. That's kind of what I, what I saw for him in the event that they, that um, they don't get right now. They're really, they're really thin at the big spot right now. They only have gear under guaranteed contracts. LaMarcus Aldridge at the four and Pau Gasol at the five. And then of course you have like Kyle Anderson out there, Davis Bertans, who are going to be free agents. So we don't know if they're going to come back for sure. And then, like I mentioned, Militino is a name out there that they might bring in finally um, after drafting him three years ago. So, okay. So I just wanted to hear that he could po- possibly um, play like that Dwayne Dedman backup center role. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, and you know, kind of depending on what happens with Paul Gasol, Metu may get a ton of minutes this year. If, if this reported Laker trade or this Lakers wanting to trade with the Spurs and, basically sending the house back and you know we would the the Spurs would dump Gasol's contract and while giving up Kawhi then there is a chance Metu gets good minutes but he'd probably be competing with Aldridge and Julius Randle okay so yeah okay so so that's something to watch um you know this is one of the you know last week I I told y'all you know I didn't think the Spurs could get an actual player next year from the second round like we all talked about that but now Metu with the with the circumstances of their bigs it looks like he might actually have a chance of of making the real roster the actual roster and not just ending up in Austin or going overseas so you're telling me there's a chance (laughs) that meme hey uh thanks Ben for coming on and just um sharing some some draft knowledge with us and and your your opinion on on how these guys are going to project for the Spurs. Uh, thanks again, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Ben for joining me on this episode of the Spurs cast 502. You can follow him on Twitter at the underscore Boomstein. Now I'm going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, I'm going to be joined by project Spurs Colin Reed. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. 
When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Thank you for listening to SpursCast, episode 502. Now I'm joined by Colin Reed. We're going to go through the latest Spurs news um, and then also the upcoming free agency, which begins, I believe it's on it's on Sunday, right, Colin? Right, yeah, Sunday, yeah. Okay, uh, Sunday midnight. midnight. Okay, yeah, so 11 p.m. is the, is the, is the clock here. Uh, yeah. So, Colin, you've been do, you're doing it all right? Yeah, yeah, how are you doing? Good, good. I saw, you haven't been in here like for 12 episodes in the studio, yeah. so this is cool. <laughs> you're always one of my favorite guests to have just because you can actually be here, be here in, in person. person, so... So, um, you know, it's, it's always good just to, you know, it flows a lot, a lot better that way. All right, let's go ahead and get started, Colin. There's a lot of news here we got to get through. Um, the first news is we're going to go ahead and update on the team, how, how they're doing. Um, you know, let's, let's first discuss Kawhi Leonard, obviously. He's still the, the, the main guy here. I was at the Spurs' uh, draft party on uh, last Thursday when they drafted Lonnie Walker the fourth and Shemezi Metu. Now, after the draft, R.C. Buford came out, the Spurs general manager, and he basically gave us, you know, his, his – his, um, his commentary on, on those two picks. But then from there, we did ask him about, about the Kawhi situation. And so he basically said that the Spurs right now want to keep Kawhi in the picture in the long term. You know, they want to, they want to try to work things out and try to have him be still part of their franchise. Um, so it basically says they're not, they're not, they're not in any kind of rush. He says the only clock they're up against right now is the time that he's under contract, which is basically to the end of next season. Now, even though he says that, we do know that there are some, some time implications here. You know, like you mentioned, free agency starts on, on Sunday. And if you're not ready, you still don't have a, an answer by from Kawhi on where he's, what, is, what his um, long-term feel is. You know, you're, it almost sounds like you might be doing a disservice to your team because you're not even, help, you know, the rest of the guys on that roster, your coach never really upgrading the roster, you're, or you're not, you know, how do you approach free agency? Do you just let, do you just let all the other 2019s make their moves because Kawhi won't say anything? Um, there's also this issue of a supermax, which can be offered as of July 16th, and then he has to October 16th to to sign it. Then, of course, the last time to actually trade him, if he's still not not complying in terms of wanting to play long term, is a February. You know, mid February is, is the trade deadline. So, um, what are your thoughts so far on what what Buford had to say that uh, last Thursday? Well, it made a lot of sense in terms of kind of how everyone has been expecting the Spurs to take the long view. And I think that this kind of falls in line with that. You know, they're not going to make any quick decisions or quick trades because they feel pressure or anything. They're going to wait until they have the best possible offer. But I do think that, you know, a timetable that he didn't mention is, you know, maybe even to start a training camp when it's going to become harder to integrate guys into the team. Uh, and at that point, and especially the start of the season all the way till the trade deadline, his value is going to go uh, down. And if they know by, you know, that point, which it sounds like they know now, that, that Kawhi really doesn't want to be a part of the team and it is irreconcilable, that they're probably going to have to move him before trading camp. But 
you know, like he said, any smart team with a top three player in the league when healthy is going to try to work it out. So it's, it's, you know, what he's saying, I think he's saying honestly and earnestly, but I do think it's, you know, it's just a smart thing to do and to say. Okay. Uh, there was also this report from Adrian Wojnarowski, Ramona Shelburne, and uh, Brian Windhorst of ESPN.com that came out on um, Wednesday, the day that you and I are recording this. Now, this came out Wednesday morning that basically, this is more so speaking from the Lakers' perspective. Uh, Woj put on a report with, the, with those other two writers, and basically he says that, um, you know, Boston, Cleveland, Philly, and the Clippers have all made offers. The Lakers also, you know, tried to start a conversation, and the Spurs basically shut the door on them because <laughs> obviously this is where Kawhi wants to go. He's been public. Well, not him, but his camp has been public that he wants to end up as a Laker. Um, in that piece, Woj writes that the Lakers, um, you know, they want Kawhi before LeBron even becomes a free agent. So within the next 48 hours, that looks very unlikely, but they're going to try to become more aggressive in trying to get him, you know, traded there within the next 48 hours. Um, some assets they're willing to depart with if they had, to, you know, to make a package is a Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, um, Hart, uh, future first rounders. And then even if, if it worked out, they could even try to work something out with a sign of trade with Julius Randle going to San Antonio. Woj put that um, the Lakers have been speaking with other teams about trying to get first round picks. So maybe taking on some salary to get a first round pick for next year to, to sweeten that package for San Antonio. He even said the Lakers would even be willing to basically take in a bad contract. So maybe somebody like Pau Gasol's contract or Patty Mills that are pretty hefty on the Spurs' books for the next few, um, two seasons or, or beyond. Uh, the Lakers might take one of those contracts to, to bring in Kawhi. Uh, Woj, you know, continue to put what B- Buford said. What, from what Woj has heard from other teams and GMs is that the Spurs are being patient. They're not in any kind of rush. They are at least acknowledging, you know, you, you know, your, the packages that other teams are, are giving. And, you know, he had reported on draft time that they were kind of putting on their board and they're kind of letting it sit there, but they're not, they're not engaging and being very um, aggressive in terms of actually trying to make a move here. Um, and then some other news with the Spurs, uh, Danny Green did opt into his contracts so and that he's opted in that now that he's exercised his player option of 10 million, he is eligible to be traded if they wanted to do that. Uh, Rudy Gay did the, um, decline his player option. So he's going to be a free agent. The Spurs still have his, his, um, his early, early bird rights so they could resign him still, uh, as long as they don't, re- they don't renounce his cap hold. And then Joffrey Laverne, it was reported by the express news as thinking about declining his player option. He has until Friday, June 29th. Uh, and then he can, he's actually thinking about taking a more lucrative uh, deal overseas. Cause right now in the NBA, it looks like his projections, just again, the veteran minimum. I know that's a lot of information thrown at you. Was there anything you wanted to say on any of those players or the Kawhi situation? Yeah, I think, um, the two quick things is what was interesting on when the report came out earlier today on Wednesday, uh, was to kind of see people tracing maybe where these reports were coming from to see like who, who gains anything by this coming out. You know, and, and there's some things in there where the Spurs gain leverage by the stuff coming out. Like, oh, the Lakers have pressure on them, you know. Um, with Brian Windhorst and Ramona Shelburne reporting, you can kind of see where, like, it's insider info for the Lakers or the, or the Cavs. And so I think that was really interesting to kind of sit down and try to chart where is this info coming from um, and, like, who does this info in different parts benefit. And because normally it's just, like, one piece of like one reporter and so you can see like okay this benefits the agent or this benefits the team but throughout this you had different teams benefited by it that was really cool in in its own way um but also really interesting and maybe all of the moving parts here uh the other one was i was actually kind of surprised and i know you had talked about it a lot on the site um i thought all three players were going to opt out you know i thought uh danny was going to go for the uh longer term maybe mid-level mm-hmm. uh type contract so when he opted in, that was a little bit surprising to me. But the other two is not, you know, um, Rudy Gay opting out and uh, Joffrey Laverne expected to opt out. That wasn't surprising to me. So that was kind of 
my biggest two thoughts on those. Yeah, and, and like a lot of fans did want Rudy Gay to stay, but you know, there's still a chance they could bring Rudy Gay back. Uh, as long as they keep his his uh, cap hold on the books, then they can still resign him up to four years, close to like forty million, basically ten million a year. So there's still a chance Rudy comes back. But again, you know, look at it from his perspective, he's in a first look for you know, probably a more lucrative deal, and then he's also looking for where can I win? You know, have the best chance of winning with the Spurs in this whole Kawhi situation. Obviously, that doesn't look like the most optimal situation. He basically thought that he would be coming with Kawhi last season, and then we saw what happened, and that didn't happen. So um, we'll continue to monitor that situation. Let's go ahead and uh, move on throughout throughout our show, Colin. Let's first begin with um, some free agents, uh, you know, that are they're going to be unrestricted here coming up on, on the market on uh, July first. Now, this is so weird because you know one thing that I, just internally that I'm kind of struggling with in terms of grasping how are, how are they going to go about free agency because you know you have a, you're trying to build a team around your best player and your best player does not want to be here, but then you're also saying you're going to be patient with him, but it's like how do you construct the team? Like who are you looking for to add? Cause are you trying to build them for having like being by side by side with Marcus? Are you having to do it for like Kawhi? Cause you don't know who, you know, if he's going to be here long-term. So this is where I've kind of just internally just been struggling in terms of projecting where, where they're going to move. Now, mathematically, the math doesn't lie to us right now. It does show us that unless they trade somebody, you know, with a huge contract like Kawhi, like LaMarcus, like Danny Green, Patty Mills, or Pal Gasol, as long as they don't trade any of those five players, the Spurs are basically going to be, are going to be operating over the over the salary cap this, this coming off season here, and that just means that they're going to probably be not a tax team, so they're going to have the uh, mid level exception of eight point six million, and the biannual exception of three point three million, along with that veteran minimums to fill out their to fill out their team basically. So what I asked you to do and, and myself as well is we're going to go ahead and go through some free agents that we think they could add with either that eight point six million dollar MLE or the $3.3 million biannual exception. Now, just real quick before we get started here, uh, let's just name the players that are on guaranteed contracts right now, still on the roster. So at the one, you still have DeJounte Murray, Patty Mills, and Derek White. At the two, you have Danny Green, Manu Ginobili, because he hasn't announced if he's retiring yet, and then Lonnie Walker, the fourth. At the three, you still have Kawhi. At the four, LaMarcus Aldridge, and at the five, Pau Gasol. Now, some potential players that could return... Tony Parker, obviously, we know his, his history with the Spurs, so there's still a chance he comes back. You got Brandon Pond, a non-guaranteed deal, so he's, he could still be back on the team. You got Bryn Forbes as a restricted free agent. They're most likely going to make him a restricted free agent. Kyle Anderson will be made a restricted free agent. They want him back. And then Davis Bertans, they just made a restricted free agent today that we're recording this, so they want him back. And then I recently wrote a piece on, on um, Project Spurs where Nikola Milutino of their 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 six eleven center from from um from Serbia he he's basically he has an opt out up until July twentieth to come to the NBA and um you know the, the the financial part doesn't look like he will come just because he wants a deal similar to um Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Kings from last year and I don't think the Spurs are going to give that kind of money there's just no way but if he does lower his expectations in terms of what kind of salary he wants then I think that there is a chance he could come this coming summer. So, um, you know, considering all that, it looks like they do need a wing and a big, you know, a, a wing who could play like the two through four positions or two through three, two, three positions, and then a big who plays a four and five. Who are some some realistic targets for them in free agency right now uh, that you wrote down? Well, I was trying to kind of look at guys that are both free agents and then fit their needs. But, you know, like you said, it is kind of tough to know, like, is this someone playing next to Kawhi or is this someone on a rebuilding team? You know, um, a couple of names that I was looking at um, – and it's kind of hard to know exactly what the market for these guys will be until they get out there. Maybe like a Tyreek Evans. I know he was on the buyout market. They're looking at maybe trading him. And I know that was actually a question that we got on the Spurs cast where uh, would the Spurs be interested in adding him? And at the time, you know, they had such a glut at that position, but now it might be a little bit different. Um, 
I know that the Spurs were also linked during the season at the trade deadline to Avery Bradley. Um, and he plays, I think, more of the two than the three. But I think if you had him on the roster, you could play Danny more at the three and have him defending on the perimeter there. Um, a couple other guys I was looking at was – I think that he's going to go back to the heat, but maybe like Wayne Ellington, who okay. was shooting real well. I know mm-hmm. that that was one of the things that the Spurs really needed to add was shooting uh, and playmaking. And because of that, I, I don't know if uh, what his um, – outlook is in terms of where he wants to go but even if they can like maybe sit down with with like a jamal crawford because he can create his own shot i know that that might not be something a lot of spurs fans want to hear in terms of like the type of player they're targeting but just someone who can create their own shot someone who can hit shots that was really what they missed in the playoffs that's something they're really going to be looking for this year okay so those are some of the players you wrote down okay so i had a lot of the same ones as you um and i broke my my free agents into two different categories here I, i broke them down into into spread offensive players which are shooters basically that are more specifically shooters and then creators, which are like guys like you mentioned, like Jamal Crawford, who can create his own shot. Because that's kind of what. Because we saw even without Kawhi last year, what were they missing? It was the offense. They they were still a, a, an elite defense even without Kawhi most of the year. It's not the defense. You can plug even with Bryn Forbes playing, you know, twenty minutes a night and Kyle Anderson. You can still be a good defensive team. You know, Pop has such a good system. Lamarcus is there. You know, you got Dejounte Murray now, an all all defensive player. Um, you have good pieces defensively, so I think that's got to be somebody who, who's going to bring more to your offense. So here were the spread type offensive players I, I wrote down. Avery Bradley as well, just because there's prior interest. We know that. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, pretty good shooter. You know, he had, a, he had a good season with, not a good season, but he had a decent season with the Lakers. Um, Doug McDermott just became an unrestricted free agent. Now, again, he's, he's going to be a guy who knocks down shots from the outside. If the Sixers land LeBron or Paul George or somebody, or, the, or they really use up their cap space, then I think J.J. Redick might, could be a realistic target. I don't know if he'll, I still think he, he'd want more than just that $8.6 million, but who knows. Uh, you got Marco Bellinelli out there. You don't have to give him the full MLE, but get, you know, bringing him back. He knows the system, good shooter. And then, and then this is a wild card only because I want him on the team. Mario Hazonia, you know, yeah. it hasn't really worked out for Orlando, but his history is that he's a really good shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the creators, guys that can kind of get to the rim, get to the free throw line. You got Will Barton, who's probably looking at getting paid like more. Like there's there's a team that there's a rumor that Indiana wants him, and they have a lot of cap space, so they could over you know they could they could definitely uh, outbid the Spurs for him. Uh, Jamal Crawford, I wrote him down as well. You know, a guy who can create buckets. Um, I wrote down Shabazz Muhammad, guy who can get to the rim. You know, he's not really a good shooter, but he's a guy who can consistently, you know, try to try to put the ball on the floor. Tyreek Evans, I wrote down as well. Uh, and then, of course, I also wrote down Rudy Gay. You know, if 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 everything, none of those players are even working out, you could also bring back Rudy Gay. Um, as far as the bigs, did you have any bigs in mind? As far as maybe giving them like that three point three million dollar um, biannual or uh, the veteran minimum? Yeah, it really depends on the price that some of these uh, guys are willing to take. Uh, one big that I thought might be interesting, just because, you know, right now they only have the two bigs on the roster. Uh, this guy, I think, is probably going to try to get more. Uh, maybe like a Thaddeus Young. Okay. Uh, he's going to be a free agent. I know Greg Monroe is going to be as well. Um, Nerland's Noel. And this, I think Amir Johnson probably wouldn't be the biannual exception, but maybe if they can, like, convince him to come in terms of, like, having that veteran presence again there. Something like that. Those were kind of the four bigs that I was really looking at. Okay. I wrote down – okay, so that, those are interesting. So I don't know about Thad Young yet. He hasn't officially opted out, but okay. he would definitely be on my list if, if he opted out. But he's, he'd be walking away from, I think, $14.3 million is what yeah. he's supposed to make. So I'm not sure if he's going to opt out. Monroe, you know, I, I, he's a post-scorer. I don't know about his defense. That's, and then Noel, I don't know if the, the whole the – whole, he's young and, you know, definitely has some talent there. Be a really good um, big off the bench. 
you know, something like what Dwayne Dedman used to do, you know, just go go up and, you know, try, try to protect the rim and then just go off and try to, you know, front pick and roll as big. I don't know about the character issues. We've heard a lot, of, you know, obviously it hasn't worked out in Philly or in Dallas. And so I'm not sure if pop, if that will work with the, with the way the Spurs do their scouting, who knows? And then, uh, who is Amir Johnson? I, I actually, yeah. I wrote him down originally, but then I took him off here. Here were a few of mine, but you know, some of those, th- those definitely look, um, realistic. Those, those players, I wrote down Brandon, Wright. Um, you, you know, just like I mentioned guy who can kind of just, um, run, pick and roll, uh, knows his role on offense defensively, you know, we'll protect him a little bit. Um, Ed Davis is a guy who, who, if they, if he gets out on switches, he can try to guard perimeter players a little bit. Um, kind of knows his role as well on offense. Kevon Looney from the Warriors also. Um, we saw that, that he has some defensive traits. Um, Mike Scott from, uh, with the Wizards. I feel like he's okay in terms of um, if they get switched, like on pick and roll. That's more of where I'm looking at from a big's perspective: is do you know your role on offense? Are you gonna, you're not going to take too many touches from Lamarcus, and then are you okay switching when they, you know, when you play the Warriors or the Rockets or one of these teams? Uh, and then I also put, you know, not so 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 sure about him, but Trevor Brook, Booker. You know, he's a he's a free agent. Kind of feel like that David Lee role from a few years ago. Yeah. Can, can kind of just run pick and roll as well. Um, and again, those bigs wouldn't would probably be those kind of bigs at the at the three point three million dollar biannual. I don't think they would get that um that that full MLE. So we'll we'll continue to see you know especially July first who the Spurs call. We'll start getting some reports about you know who they were in contact with, which free agents on, on that night. Um, we'll continue to monitor that. Okay, Colin, the last segment of our Spurs cast, I want to go ahead and go through um, the the projections for the the Spurs free agents specifically. Um, and where we think that their market's going to be and maybe some possible teams. I don't know that if, if you have any in mind where, where they could end up. So let's first begin with um, the, the, the only unrestricted free agent. That's Tony Parker. He's 36 right now, 36 years old. If he returns to San Antonio, I see his role as like the third or fourth point guard, you know, maybe second. I don't know. I think I still, I think they play Patty Mills over him or, or Derek White for sure. Uh, so, you know, if he comes back to San Antonio, he's looking at third or fourth point guard role. Salary wise, I'm projecting, 2.3 million, which is his veteran minimum to about, if you really have to, the, the biannual exception, 3.3 million. Some, some teams though, <laughs> I was going through all the rosters and I could actually see him playing to these places. I don't know if he'd do it though. If he'd pick up San, from San Antonio and go and, and move over there, you know, to these teams, Charlotte right now looks like they need a backup point guard, you know, behind Kemba Walker, Denver behind Jamal Murray. He could, he could be a backup point guard there. You know, a good competitive team, Memphis behind Mike Conley, you know, they're trying to win next year. Uh, OKC behind Westbrook if, if Ray Felton, Felton doesn't come back. Uh, Phoenix, they're saying they want to be good. So so right now they don't have a starter, really. I think they have Euless, um So if they wanted to – or they were going to run Brandon Ida point guards in the last report. So they want to bring Parker and you know, be a veteran presence. Here's a place that he could actually be a starter right now, unless they, of course, go out and sign a point guard. This is Orlando right now. They have DJ Augustine starting at point guard. So right now until, you know, obviously in free agency they could, they could sign someone. But – you know, right now he would actually be the starter if he signed there, in my opinion. So, um, what do you think? Do you agree with that that market for Parker, or, or do you have any other places that you think he could end up? Yeah, I think, and I think just because of how the Spurs have operated in the past, um, that there is this expectation that the Spurs are going to give Parker a legacy contract, and I think both you and I are in agreement that that's probably not going to be the case. Um, I think you know I've always thought of the Suns were a team that came to mind, not for the reason that they're thinking, but the kind of, you know, the Magic, Suns, you know, that kind of team where they'll maybe need some veteran leadership, maybe because they have so many young players on their team, they'll have extra cap space that they'll just need to use to get to the floor if they don't end up absorbing uh, any salary from another team. So they'll have extra cap and they'll just maybe want to bring in someone who's been in the NBA a long time and just very, very knowledgeable about the game to kind of 
share that experiences with their younger players and kind of just be that locker room presence. So I think any of those like lottery teams where they're really, really young, like the Suns, like the Magic, uh, teams like that were kind of the fit that I was thinking. Okay, and and for me, I think it's going to come down to to what does Parker want? You know, does he kind of sees where his role is at in San Antonio? Maybe uh, you know he might get some sec- become the stay the second point guard if, if Patty Mosa plays a lot more too. Um, you know, he, he kind of it's it's going to come down to does he does he want to actually like still like play like a, at a competitive role? Because like I was saying, some of these places he could still he could maybe be the backup point guard there. Or, or just stay home in San Antonio where he's, he just has to finish out three years. I think he wants to get to 20 years in his career. He's already done 17. So he could just, you know, take a deal where he stays he stays here long-term, even if it means he's like the third or fourth point guard for the last few years. He could be that, that locker room presence. I, I would guess that just making an opinion, um, I would think that he does stay. He just, you know, just willing to accept that kind of role and um, kind of just, you know, mentors Murray and, you know, whatever, you know, Derek White, you know, those kind of players. Um, so we'll see what happens with Parker as he hits um, unrestricted free agency on July 1st. The next player we want to talk about is Kyle Anderson, a 24-year-old wing. Um, Kyle is, is a, you know, if he comes back to San Antonio, I, I think there's two cases for him. If Kawhi's traded and they don't get any kind of wings, like, you know, back in a the package, then I think he could be at the starting three, just like you saw last season. And he, he did okay in that role. You know, we saw that he could play a full season as a starter. And then if Kawhi does come back or, or they get another wing, like in a trade, then I could see him being a backup three or four. Um, you know, off the bench, his market, I would, I would assume is like 4.7 million, which is his qualifying offer, which the Spurs already gave him. So he could also accept that. And then to about 5.2 million, which is like the, the taxpayer mid-level exception. I could see that. Cause uh, you know, if you're looking at, if you're trying to figure out the market right now for, for these, for these players like Kyle, some of these role players, um, you need to look like at uh, at Lou Williams, who signed for eight million. And you know, it, Lou Williams is you know one of the one of the you know one of the better scorers in the league. And for him to just get eight million, it kind of tells you what the level is. So like basically, that's the, that's the MLE this summer is that that Lou Williams level. And I don't think Kyle was at that Lou Williams level, so I'd put him right a shade under there at that five point two million MLE. Let's say the Spurs brought him back. I would actually think that maybe they could work out like a four year deal for like eighteen four for for. Basically that that four point seven, but times four, so so four for like eighteen point eight. I could see that as a realistic contract. Now, as far as like finding a team for Kyle, I had trouble here pinpointing specific teams, so I just wrote down young teams because of his age. He's only twenty four, so if they sign him to a four year deal, then you get him till he's twenty eight, and that's you know that's a good time for him to to um, have a role, um, you know, be be a, grow up with the, with that team or competitive teams like. Um, you know, if they have like the non-tax, if they have the, if they're they're not a tax team, I think that a playoff team might offer them like the three point three biannual exception. If they if they are a tax team, I don't think they'd spend the whole five point two. Maybe they will, but but who knows? What, what do you think about Kyle's free agency? Yeah, I think kind of similar to what you were saying in terms of um, his the the teams that he might want to go to. I think that he could be a uh, outside of the Spurs, a starter on a young team, a uh, team that's maybe uh, rebuilding, a developing team. But I also think that he could actually be a pretty solid uh, backup three or four for a good team. You know, he's really good on defense. He uh, or he, he's been at least uh, high basketball IQ on that side. Mm-hmm. He's not as athletic as some guys, and that sometimes hurts him. But um, he can pass the ball real well. He kind of sees the court very well. So I think that like. If you had him coming off the bench, um, and you weren't asking him to like be the main offensive guy or like asking him to do something that was kind of out of his wheelhouse, I think that he could be a really good contributor for that type of team. So that type of contender, maybe that that is trying to add just the bench pieces on the fringe. Um, you know, I know, and I don't think it'll get close to this, but his cap hold 
with San Antonio is like 6.4 million. Um, and I don't think anyone will get close to that. And I think that like what you were saying, the Spurs would be willing to pretty much probably match anything up to like maybe even mid fives. Like I, I think six is like the limit. I think yeah. that's, that's their limit. I don't yeah. think they're going to think if, if, if a team does go over that, give them an offer sheet north of that, like seven, eight, you know, even up to 10, like I don't yeah. think, and I don't think there's a team out there um, that's going to do that, but you know, we never know what we'll see. So that's kind of Kyle's situation. He is a restricted free agent. So for those of you that don't remember how restricted free agency works, um, let's say that on July 1st, when Kyle, you know, becomes a free agent, a restricted free agent, a team offers him an offer sheet. Well, once he signs that offer sheet, then that offer sheet gets taken to San Antonio on July 6th, which is the moratorium day when it's lifted. So basically on July 6th, the Spurs would have 48 hours, two days to to either match it, to keep Kyle or um, decline to match it. And then he obviously is going to end up with that other team. So that's just, again, how how it's going to work. Restricted free agency, how it's a little bit different from unrestricted free agency. Um, Let's go on to our next free agent, um, Colin, and that's that's, um, Davis Bertans. He, like Kyle, is also a, a restricted free agent where the Spurs have the choice to match whatever offer sheet he gets. He's 25 years old right now. Uh, if he comes back to San Antonio, I see him in the same role of backup four, you know, behind LaMarcus. Uh, kind of gives versatility in different lineups as a shooter. Uh, he has a $1.6 million qualifying offer he can sign to return to San Antonio, and then he can, he can become a restrict, an unrestricted free agent next summer. If he signed for a veteran minimum with the team, it would be at $1.4 because he's only been in the league for two years. So I, I'm projecting his market to be at 1.6 to about 3.3 million. Um, again, he's kind of like Kyle, where you can't find a specific team because he's still kind of young. He's only 25. He's a good shooter. Teams always want shooters right now in today's NBA. He, he's a pretty good defender in terms of help, you know, in his blocking ability at the, at, when he does like help block situations. I could see a young team going for him or a competitive team if they're using maybe the the, the veteran minimum or up until the biannual exception. What do you think with Bertens? Yeah, I agree. I was actually kind of thinking that exact same thing. Some of the like from his qualifying offer up to 3 million, kind of in the mid three millions, just because, you know, he's, he's only played for two seasons and he hasn't really gotten consistent playing time. And he's kind of been up and down in some of the, like some of the times when he's gotten consistent playing times, he's been amazing. And I know um, at the end of the year and into the playoffs, he wasn't shooting all that well, which is kind of one of his biggest like benefits on offense, you know? So um, I, I think that there might not be a huge market there for him. And, um, I mean, he might just accept the qualifying offer. That might be the best thing out there for him. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that's for sure. And, and um, you know, unless unless one of those, like we said, one of those teams with cast base does try to offer him something where San Antonio, I think for the Spurs, I think $4 million is like the, the limit. Like if they give him anything north of $4 million, I think that's they're, they're just going to let him walk mm-hmm. and go to that team, whoever gives him that kind of contract. Okay, the last restricted free agent, Colin, is uh, Bryn Forbes. He's 24 years old. He basically has the same deal as Bertans. He has a $1.6 million qualifying offer. Uh, his veteran minimum would also be 1.4 million. If he comes back to San Antonio, I see his role as like third or fourth shooting guard. Because now you think about this: uh, you have Danny back, Danny Green. You have Manu Ginobili back. If, if he retire, if he doesn't retire, should I say? You have Lonnie Walker the fourth now, who they want to give minutes to. You still got Brandon Paul. If they haven't they haven't waived him yet, uh, and he could end up being on, on the team another season. So like really for Brandon, he might be the third or fourth shooting guard again. Uh, and, you know, obviously they depended on Pop giving him a real role last year, but that's, again, probably because Kawhi was hurt or out of the rotation the entire year. I think had Kawhi been healthy, then a lot of those minutes would have gone to, like, to uh, to, to Kyle Anderson, most likely, those, those wing minutes that Bryn had to play. Um, uh, kind of like with, um, with, with with Bertans, I see Bryn's market as well in that $1.6 to $3.3 million range. Uh, I could see him as well only because he's 24 years old, maybe signing with a young team as a shooter off the bench. 
or a competitive team might give him the veteran minimum to buy a new exception, um, you know, just to become a scorer off the bench. What do you think about Brennan's free agency? Yeah, I think that the market is going to be kind of like you were saying, similar batons for him too, just because, uh, again, another player who's only been in the league for a couple of years and has also been up and down. Um, I think that for him, it's, it's a matter of probably, I think that his best case would be a contender that's just trying to add someone else who can shoot if there are other, like, uh, you know, and I think that people maybe are really gun shy of this, but like the, the Golden State Warriors, how they try to just add shooters on the bench uh, so that when their main stars are resting, that they at least have the firepower to maybe even still win those games. Um, I don't know if, if Forbes is maybe right for that role, but that type of thing with a contender. Um, but like you said, I think that even if, you know, Kawhi isn't coming back, which is looking likely right now, and even if they don't have the trade done by training camp, I think that he does get kind of relegated um, to, you know, third or fourth shooting guard and that the uh, playbook that Pop writes, because he'll have all of the summer and all of training camp, they won't be kind of in this frenzy to be like, well, because we don't have Kawhi, we're going to need to put this player here and this player here. You know, they're going to have a lot more time to prepare for it. And hopefully, you know, no one can replace uh, Kawhi's um, output on both ends of the floor, but players to at least play his minutes. So. Mm. So I, I think it'll be a difficult market for them, even for him, even in San Antonio. I think, like what you said, probably um, the qualifying offer to the mid three million at the most. Okay, yeah, and that's kind of yeah, exactly. So like you know, just like like Bertans, he doesn't have a huge market right now that we know of. Um, and then you know, listening to different, um, I was listening to, to like Zach Lowe recently, like how he was talking about how like the, the market's just going to be so tight. Like they're expect they're, it may not be there may not be as many fireworks as a lot of pr- people were projecting. Just because the, the, all the good teams, the competitive teams right now, they're all you know they're all strapped for cash. They don't they don't have any cap space. First of all, and a lot of them that aren't going to win the championship next year, that aren't really contenders, they're they don't want to use the full mid level exception. So even if you have like that eight point six million or the five point two million, you may not want to use it because you don't want to go over the tax line. You know why are you going to spend it? Why are you going to be a tax if you have no chance of beating Houston or Golden State or you know Boston or somebody like that? So a lot of teams are going to be weighing that decision. They may not even offer the full MLE. Um, then you you look at the bad teams and you know they were mentioning that a lot of the bad teams like Atlanta, Chicago, they're just going to be there to absorb bad contracts. They don't really want to sign anybody either. They don't want to mess up their books for the future. We've heard that Brooklyn wants to get two max players next summer when they have cash space. So, so this is something to watch. Um, you know, I think it is. I think it is definitely going to be a, a, a tight market. So, so we'll see what what happens with Parker, Anderson, um, Bertens, Forbes, and of course Kawhi. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know if by by this episode something will happen with Kawhi or, or when that's going to happen with. Uh, whether they're going to keep him or, 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 or um, trade him. So we'll continue to monitor that. Thanks again, uh, Colin, for coming in for this episode 502. Thank you, listeners, for listening to SpursCast episode 502. Just a few quick reminders. Real quick. Okay, uh, yes, on Twitter, please follow us at Project Spurs, at ATLeague underscore NBA, at the SpursCast, and at Project Spurs Network. And also follow, follow Colin on Twitter, at Colin Reed PS. Uh, visit our site, projectspurs.com, analyzingtheleague.com, and projectspurs.net. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.